Thanks for listening to the New Revival Podcast. I'm Levi. And I'm Beth. And on today's episode, we have Franzi and Jenny Lewis with Mission Trek A. Was that close enough? Yeah, sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. Um, so as I mentioned earlier in the intro, you guys are with Mission, or you guys or Mission Trek IA, which is, which I'm saying that right? Mm-hmm. Right. Close, yeah. close enough anyway? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not, okay. Um, which is a mission to Haiti, right. which is where you're from, Franzi. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so we, we kind of have a list of questions here that uh, people have asked us to ask you, and also some more that we have come up with, and <laughs> this is our second missionary interview, so hopefully we have at least a few questions that maybe answer, or, uh, answer questions that... People may be too afraid to ask or uh, haven't asked you or haven't had time to answer. Uh, so first off, how, how did you two meet? Am I answering that? Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, we met at an orphanage in Haiti. Um, I was on my very first, my second mission trip to Haiti, and Franzi was on um, a school break in Cap Haitian, Haiti. And we just happened to be at the same orphanage during the same weekend. And we hung out that weekend and then added each other to Facebook and the rest is history. She added me first. Okay. Um, so with this being a mission, how did, I know, uh, Jenny, you said you were on a mission trip down mm-hmm. to Haiti. Had you been to Haiti before or had uh, you been on any mission trips before? Uh, I had been one, one other time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Franzi? Had you ever been on a mission trip or? Uh, not really, actually. Um. I started into mission because I, you know, from growing up, my mom and dad, um, I saw the way they were like helping people in the neighborhood where we, we grew up and I did not, we really understood what they were doing, but they wanted us to do the same thing. And they always said that that's my mission. And then until I go up, I realized that, huh, that's what the mission is. So I'll kind of go up and doing the same thing mom and dad were doing and Okay. And how did you, uh, I guess, each individually, how did you know that you were, that God was calling you to the mission field? So I went to Haiti for the first time when I was 16. Um, it was my senior year um, of high school. And I had gone just with the intention of just going and seeing it and probably not going back. Um, and when I went, the Lord just really, he broke my heart into a million pieces. And um, I just really felt called that week to go. And so my pastor was actually on the mission trip with me at the same time. And, um, like halfway through the week, I just told him, like, I think that this is what I'm supposed to do. And so he said, well, the first thing to do is to go back and publicly tell people that, and then people will keep you accountable. And so that next Sunday I went back and I wrote my first little script and I like barely made it through without (laughs) crying. (laughs) Well, I cried like all the way through. Um, and, um, just told people that this is what I felt like I was supposed to do while I was in Haiti. And I hope that people kept me accountable. And so that was when I was 16 and I moved to Haiti when I was 19. Yeah, for me, it was more like um, I always dream like to become a doctor, um, but not to make money, but mostly to serve. And um, um, I did not really, like I said, um, from the beginning, seeing what mom and dad, you know, um, did. And then I kind of like learned the same things. And I realized that's what I'm best at, it's serving people, you know, um, in the community. And um, when I moved back to Capetian and I realized that, you know, I, um, I think that's what God wants me to do. And um, he answered the prayers that I wanted to become a doctor and serve people and just going in it, you know. 
And, and when you were there for the first time, uh, for your mission trip, what, what were you guys doing there? As you, you said you went down with your church. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was me and my mom, my pastor and his wife, and then another, um, two sisters that went with us from Arizona and we just went, it was a, the, the man who took us in called it a vision trip. So we went and visited lots of different orphanages and, um, we had been doing a lot of work stateside for Haiti. And so we got to see where all of the things that we did stateside went. Um, so we did a lot of work in different orphanages and a lot of evangelism, um, in the villages. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so how did your families react? I know you said you were 16 when you went down there or 19 when you moved down there. How did your family react to you moving to Haiti? My mom was super excited from the get-go. She was like, I can't wait to come down and visit you. My dad, um, being you know a single woman moving to Haiti, um, he was a little bit more hesitant, but he was all for, you know what, if this is what you feel like the Lord wants you to do, this is what I want you to do. And so they were very supportive all the way through. Okay. And uh, Franzi, you were you were from Haiti, so there was no moving to Haiti. What what did you do before uh, you you met Jenny? Well, actually, I was um, in Dominican Republic, okay. um, studying um, business management. Um, and when actually I told my parents that, because I grew up in the capital of Haiti, which is Port-au-Prince, uh, when I told my parents that I'm moving to Quebec, and they're like, "Okay, is that a job or something?" I'm like, "No, you know, kind of like you know." Um, doing ministry stuff um, at the orphanage where um, I met Jenny. Um, they're like, okay, um, that's fine. But they wanted to see, you know, as Haitian parents, like, because they invested everything in me. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see, like, what I'm bringing back to, you know, for yeah. the investment right. and stuff. So, but after a while, they like, you know what, um, if it's what you think you want to do, just just go for it, you know. Um, so. What's the distance between Cap Haitian and Port-au-Prince? Because I know, like, it's not the the smoothest road in between is it well i mean before like a few years ago before the woods were like way better now it's where like probably like seven to ten hours you know okay on a school bus and then you're going block at the block at the block at the <laughs> oh, <way wow>. yeah <laughs> um, but now you know the woods are all like you know paving really nice um it's about like five to six mm-hmm. five hours at least I think it's only like 120 miles though yeah Oh, oh wow! wow. So it's, it's a rough 120 miles yeah. though. Is, it, yeah. is that Even mountainous? Though, There's five, like five, five mountains that you cross. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. yeah. but you're going you know, right. Yeah, it's like driving through the Smokies. It's yes. like not very far technically, but it takes, it takes forever. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, uh, and I know uh, this is kind of going back a question, but uh, Jenny, whenever you were in Haiti and you were being called to the mission field, did you know right away from being in Haiti that it was it was Haiti that you were called to, or or you have any other countries or places in mind so I was pretty sure it was Haiti um but I wanted to make I wanted to be 100% sure so um my the next step was to um go to some kind of training and so I joined youth with a mission and lived in Colorado for a little bit and then went and lived in Columbia South America for two months just to make sure that Haiti was really where I was called um and so while I was in Columbia we did a lot of um ministry with the kids that lived in the streets and um people who were addicted to drugs and things. Um, a lot of our ministry was in the middle of the night because um, that's when that's when they were out in the streets. And um, my time there made it really obvious that Haiti was where I wanted to be. Okay. The middle of the night in the streets of Columbia sounds yeah, terrifying. It was, yeah. <laughs> but really fun, actually. It doesn't sound like a place that you would let your uh, 16-year-old no, go and hang no. out. <laughs> my parents heard about all of that after. I after. Yeah. after. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess to a few specific Haiti questions. How would you describe your your neighbors in in your town in in Cap Haitian? Friendly. 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 Um, 
Haitians are really hospitable. Yeah. And so. I like calling you blanc, <laughs> which you know, white people. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Haitians are more like, um, one of the things that when we have team um, going to Haiti, I always tell them that at least knows at least three words, you know, like say bonjour, um, comment oui, how you doing, and so and so my name is because because they spoke they speak creole right yeah they speak creole in french um but they kind of love the idea of like when you say something in creole even if it's one word that you know and they're like whoa you speak creole <laughs> do they care if you butcher it because i would um, so like your first couple trips they'll, they'll let you you know let you pass but yeah. then like if i butcher something now they make fun of me yeah <laughs> yeah so um and the other thing they love is that when you try their food um the the culture like that's what we like like if you try the food that means a lot to them mm-hmm. but if you kind of like you know they're like oh they're something's pretty, wrong they're pretty proud of their food aren't they exactly yeah. so we're really proud of that so. <laughs> so what is the uh i guess the demographic there like is it like a small town or is it a big city and how modernized are they or how many people like is it single family dwellings or is it, like we looking more like families staying in a house together so downtown Capetian is a lot of apartment buildings. Um, people rent homes. Um, it's a very busy city. I think it's the second or third largest in Haiti. Um, and what else? It's it's a super busy, super busy city. Um, a lot of people that just, they rent their homes and then they have their own businesses. And then a lot of times they'll have homes out in the country as well um, that they actually own. And they'll okay. go home on the weekends. <laughs> hmm. All right. Um so, Jenny, whenever you moved down to Haiti, what were some of the things that you missed most about America while you were down there? I missed cheese. <laughs> that was cheese like, not a thing down there? No, no. Cheese. There's no Wisconsin in Haiti? No, not, nothing <laughs> kinda, like that, kinda, no. <laughs> kind of kinda makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... I would say that, that cheese is always my first answer. Um, and then, um, I don't know, I think I missed not being the minority, maybe, um, and just like going to church and understanding everything and, um, speaking English. Cause when I was living in Haiti at first, Franzi would never let me speak English cause he wanted me to learn Creole. So. I, take it, I take it you learned. I learned. Yeah. Good thing. Cause he wouldn't <laughs> talk to fun. me in English. <laughs> yeah. Sink or swim. <laughs> All right. I guess this was kind of a little more directed towards Franzi now. Uh, now that you're, sta- you're here stateside, what are things about Haiti that you miss? Spices. The, sp- spices. <laughs> the spices. Yeah. What kind of spices are we talking? I mean, like uh, um, all the spices that we have um, in Haiti. Because uh, when I first moved move here, um, it was really hard for me. Like the food are kind of like cold. That's how we call them. Not yeah. like cold because it's from the fridge, but it's just Bland. not spicy enough yeah. for me. So mashed potatoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the only place actually that um, um, I think Jenny took me there. Uh, it was Church's Chicken. <laughs> And it's spicy. It's yeah. oh, like Haitian funny. chicken. So <laughs> I'm like, funny. oh, I'm in heaven. So <laughs> anytime I miss Haiti, I would go to church's chicken and, you know. <laughs> That's funny. We need to see if he has had that Creole seasoning that we use. Oh, yeah. It's very, yeah, Carl- like, oh, it's good. Yeah. I don't know if it's Creole or not, but. Well, it says, it says Creole it on the thing. <laughs> so every time I use it, it makes me cough because it's so strong. It probably so is. Good. I have to hold yeah, my breath probably. whenever I use it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good, yeah. though. So how do the people in Haiti view Americans? Um, they see Americans more like people are like very generous, like people who like to help. Um, I mean, you know, everybody would have a mm-hmm. different point of view. I mean, I like like I said before, like once they see you, they see like money. 
you know mm-hmm. um even if you have a like a car like you're haitian you have a car it's like huh you got money oh wow so and then if you're like you know um any one who's white they will call you blah and then give me one dollar give me one dollar like, oh, they, they just assume they just have. assume that you have money it's mm-hmm. like and <laughs> one of the like uh the thing they think also like it's like there's a money tree in America, you just come and you shake the tree and money come down. Huh. And then, That'd you be know. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the view it's more like um, people who come and help them and stuff. So. Okay. So what's the, uh, like, what, what do people do for jobs down there? Is it pretty much whatever they want there in, in Capation? Or is it, I, I, I know, like, um, I guess kind of skipping ahead to your mountain. But uh, in... Is this still in Capation or is it? Just, it's in uh, Saint Suzanne, Saint right? Saint, Which yeah. is how far away from Capation? It's about an hour and no. twenty minutes. Yeah. Okay. So what's it like over there? Is it pretty much similar, or is it kind of like? I don't know if it's. It's, it's more villages. More or? villages. Yeah, okay. more villages. It's so every city in Haiti has um, a Catholic church, a big Catholic church, and so they have their big Catholic church, and they have their market right outside. And some of the homes in the city are built with. Um, concrete blocks and then the farther out you go it's a lot of um, stick and mud homes and more of a village feel okay so what is like the main religion of Haiti is do people usually go to church or do they claim to have a religion or I mean for years I think it was um, Catholic and uh, Vodouism what we call Vodouism Mm -hmm. Um, but which are totally like kind of like the same thing Mm -hmm. and during the week, there would be like party and doing photo stuff, ceremony. You know, Sunday morning, they would go to a Catholic church, you know. Oh, really? And then once you go, you're like, uh, Father, forgive me for all the sins and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then, then on Monday, back. you go back on doing the same thing. Because um, yeah. there's a long story between um, when we had slaves in Haiti, um, the French um, told them that um, in Spain that you have to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. And, and another way for them to be able to worship the God that they came from Africa with, um, those saint pictures. So actually they had that um, showing the, um, the masters that they're serving the saint, but actually was not the saint, it's the um, spirit that they came from, you know, the mm-hmm. the spirit they came from Africa with, like actually it's meant for them instead of like being the saint. So it's... Oh, really? I think I'm tracking here. This is just such a foreign concept. I think to a lot of people here, especially in Midwest United States, the I guess voodooism as a whole, just how prevalent and powerful. I know we've talked privately about the different things that happen as far as, I mean, this is a real spiritual warfare that's going on down there. It's not just, they're not pretending. They're not. That's real stuff. It's yeah, very we're, real. Yeah, they're they're not just wa- they're not watching Harry else. Harry Potter and playing playing with the magic wand. I mean, these yeah. guys are real practicing, like real legitimate voodoo, voodoo <laughs> which is. Can you speak into any of that, or <laughs> I know it's because I mean that's what you were you were saved out of, right? And one of the story I like uh, to share, um, I'm sure you guys heard of it before. Um, it's like m- some of my family member like they used to practice um, voodoo and stuff. Uh, but they were afraid of like not doing it because you know they believe that the spirit would kill you if you don't serve them and mm-hmm. stuff um, but i never believe in that you know i mean i was like probably 10 11 or 12 
um, I still did not believe in it, um, that it could do anything. Um, and many times, Jenny and I, when we were doing uh, mobile clinic in Haiti, we'll go places um, very dangerous. And some of the stuff that we saw, it's like, wow. Like, we don't even share it with family members because yeah. mm -hmm. they'll be like, oops. So <laughs> it's like, Vodou is real in Haiti. Like, the supernatural stuff are real. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's something that people don't understand or just i don't know sure if they they choose not to understand I, I know it's something too that's hard to kind of open up about because it's hard to explain something that's so not here for, yeah foreign yeah. just actual manifestations that you like like real things it's not just a feeling it's not like oh i get the i get goosebumps whenever i walk by this building because it's creepy it's like no there's real demons that really possess and they really do demon things mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah and I think also um, one of the things we, um, Jenny and I, we experienced um, during that, um, we went to a place to do a mobile clinic, and um, there's a big river and stuff. We get stuck. We could not make it up to that mountain, and we end up sleeping in our car and stuff. And um, there was a, a voodoo priest house, and I asked him, would you give me permission to pop my car into your yard and sleep? He's like, hey, if you think you can do it, do it and i'm like okay there's your challenge <laughs> here's the challenge because they so, had a gate right is that yeah. why you wanted to park yeah. in your yard okay yeah so i you know put my car in the yard and stuff and i'm like god we're in mission so we're gonna sleep jenny's like, i'm like yeah we're going to sleep in there you know it would be fine so in the middle of the night i mean like things you would not believe even if you see it would be like uh that's a tv show or something <laughs> it's not real and because you're you're talking like Shape, like shape shifting and mm -hmm. yeah like you could see like all different like faces like animals and like mm -hmm. outside of the window you could feel their presence inside of the car and stuff so i had to use the restroom and then while they were outside like we're talking about like hundreds of people you could see with different faces and stuff so and, and not masks not masks <laughs> it's not carnival or something it's real <laughs> And I had to use the restroom, and then I got out of the car and used the restroom, and then, you know, and got back in the car and stuff. So in the morning, um, the voter priest came. He's like, you guys are really serving God. You know that? I'm like, why? He's like, I don't know how you slept the whole night. I'm like, hey, <laughs> come on. God sent us here to do a job, and we're going to get the job done and go back home. So, um we're just doing our job. He's like, yeah, you guys are really, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm like, yeah. So, and we even um, saw some people who serve with him and stuff and do clinic and all of them came to the clinic. So I think it's a, it's a way to show people like uh, the evil exists, but God is more powerful, you know? I get goosebumps every time I think about that story. Ever uh, since the first time you, to you told me, I think of like Daniel in the lion's den. It's just like that faith there that just shut up the lions and, yeah, I, don't know, I just think that's. We love to talk about your guys' stories. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I just think that's that's awesome. Um, I, I guess to mention those clinics, um, what what exactly are the these clinics that you're talking about? I know I know Beth and I have heard, but just kind of to the listeners here. So we travel all over Haiti, um, and we kind of um, we always find areas in Haiti that don't have any kind of healthcare um, within. A certain amount of miles and so um, we go and we take um, students from the Dominican Republic Haitian students from the Dominican Republic that are unable to get their license to practice uh, medicine at a hospital in Haiti um, the government makes it really hard whenever they take their education elsewhere 
Um, and so we use those students and we go and travel um, up mountains or down rivers or, you know, whatever, whatever it takes to get to these people who have never had any kind of health care. Um, and we usually do a clinic for a couple of days. Um, the first time we did a clinic, we met this woman who was, she was in her seventies and she had never had a Tylenol before. Hmm. And she told us that she was having a hard time sleeping. She had all these aches and pains. And so Franzi gave her a Tylenol. Um, and she came back the next morning and just could not believe this magic that we had given her that she was able to sleep <laughs> last night. Um, and so, um, yeah, just free mobile clinics, um, before the people are able to receive their medication, they have to sit down and listen to the gospel. Okay, um, awesome. and so, yep, yep. So we showed Jesus with them and, um, a lot of times we'll take, Sometimes we've gotten Tom's shoes before, so we've passed out oh, Tom's cool. shoes and um, different things, um, food and, you know, trying to meet as many needs as we can. Um, and so we'll partner with a local pastor, and he provides a place for us to stay and food for our team for the couple of days, and then we provide the, the doctors and the medicine. Now, we've helped you guys fill a container before. Yes. You use, like, just a lot of very basic things like mm-hmm. Rolaids and Tylenol mm-hmm. and, like, Ben Gay yes. and very mm-hmm. basic stuff mm-hmm. most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then we have, um, we're able to buy um, antibiotics in Haiti mm-hmm. from a laboratory that makes them. Um, so we purchase them there, but everything else over the counter we usually get from the 88 cent bin at Walmart. Oh, okay. Sounds yep. great. Yeah. <laughs> so, how, I know you said that they, they have to listen to the gospel before they go through the clinic. How receptive are Haitians to the gospel? Is it like a foreign concept to them? I know being Catholic, I know they have at least maybe some terms and stuff that they may. Like like you said, they're not really practicing Catholics. They're more of they do it because they're told to do it on Sunday, and then they practice voodoo in the during the week. But are they pretty receptive to the gospel? Uh, yeah, actually, um, over the years, um, you get Haitian more like um, it's like on Sunday morning. It's like ninety nine percent of the country is going to church. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, the Baptists, Pentecostals, uh, like all of them, like going to church and stuff. Um, I think every Haitian knows about God, but um, there's one thing missing, I think. It's um, showing God into them or into someone. And that's one thing um, um, with Mission Trakai, we make sure, or Jenny and I, we make sure is that, like, not just, like, teach them the gospel because they already know about it. They heard about it, like, every day, every single day, but we make sure that they can see it. You know, and that's one of the things um, Jesus did when he was on earth, not just like preaching the gospel. He was living. He was the gospel. Mm -hmm. So the way he was is the way he cared for people, the way he the love he had, you know, for people, the miracles he did, like, you know, how he felt like the pain and and the passion he had, like for serving people. And I think that's one of the things we're trying to do is not just like say, but live it. Okay. So they can sit and ask, you mm-hmm. know, like the way we serve, the way we love um, the Haitian people, I think. Um, so so is that a cultural thing where it's, they may have been taught it in Sunday school, they may have learned it, but it's more of a, a, a cultural thing to see it lived out because, yeah, I've been told this, but, but nobody actually lives it. They've not actually seen a, a, what, I guess, a, a true Christian is. Just, yeah. yeah, I think genuine Christianity is um, hard to find in Haiti a lot of times. Um, it's interesting, Franzi was telling me a story the other day of um, a long time ago when he was younger, the voodoo priests would pray to God and just ask for permission to do whatever they were going to do that night. And, you know, they res- they respect God and a lot of them know a lot of the Bible, um, but just finding genuine Christianity is, mm-hmm. is, is what's difficult. And so that is, um, we try to teach our staff, you know, 
even though sometimes things are hard to do in Haiti, we need to, you know, keep our testimony and, and, and show people, you know, this is why we're doing this. It's not, you know, not for the show or, or anything. It's, you know, it's not a mission track I show. It's, it's about the Lord. So. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so what are some of your favorite parts about being a missionary down there or just in general? It's always an adventure. I yeah. love yeah. that. Like That's... every single day is so different. Like one day we are, you know, hiking a mountain and um, we think we have rented a dump truck. And when it gets stuck in the river, we find out that the people who we thought we rented it from actually stole it from the government. <laughs> <laughs> You're just and paying so, somebody to yeah. use their, their stolen dump exactly, truck. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, the next day we're just at home um, hanging out with our niece and nephew. Or, um, you know, there's just every single day is a different different adventure and i love it <laughs> isn't there a story of you getting ran over by a truck or something like that while you're on a motorcycle down yeah. there we were in photo plants yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah what happened with that like you were on weren't you like on the back of a motorcycle behind a truck and it backed over you yes well we yeah we were like um on the back and then as we're getting close um like kind of like bumper like close to it and then like for some reason the guy just like made a left or right actually and my left leg caught inside of the uh, the hood where the tire is actually oh. and then i kind of like had to kind of like lift up myself from the motorcycle so um i let the motor like you know go off and then i could stand and move my leg out of it so it's it's just funny <laughs> i'm still gonna count that as getting ran over by a truck <laughs> so what are some of the favorite things you guys get to do in, in your work down there You don't have a favorite thing. <laughs> so, so, so you guys have such a, a, a collection of things down there between uh, between the clinics and uh, what about the microloans? Yeah, sure about those. I guess, uh, like I said, your, your guys' mission is so diverse. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get, it, get make sure I don't miss anything. Yeah. So we have over 100 families that are um, have created their own business and they're providing for their families. So it's men um, out standing on the side of the road selling telephone minutes to women um, sewing school uniforms. Um, we have some kids that take candy into school and sell candy. Um, some, some people are, you know, selling spaghetti on the side of the road or, um, so I love doing that. I love, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, like whenever we get donations for microloans and we're not sure exactly who, you know, who to bless. And the Lord always brings us someone with this really unique story of, you know, how they're just trying to provide for their family and they've got this great business opportunity or business idea. Um, and so, yeah, we've got over a hundred now. Um, so correct, correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong with the microloans. Those are packets of basically starter material that you then in turn pick a family or an individual that you basically, you bless them with this, with the intention of you'll pay me back and you'll be self sustainable after this because that, that's what that Haitians don't want handouts. They want, right. they want to be able to provide. They want, it's kind of the whole mm-hmm. teach a man to fish and yes. Yep. Yep. So we start with a small amount of money. So, um, one of the things back in the eighties when a lot of missionaries started going to Haiti, um, it was just a lot of, it was a lot of handouts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we start with a small amount of money with our microloan program just to kind of find the people who are really willing to work, um, work and create this business. And, um, we asked them to pay back 50% of that, um, of that loan within three months. Um, and, and then the other 50% is for them. Um, and so a lot of them usually do pay it back actually quicker than the three months. And then depending on how their business is going, we'll reloan them, reloan them something. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's worked out really well. 
And how I know you also have, are involved. Like, there's a pretty big Awana scene down mm-hmm. in, in Haiti. Is that still growing pretty good, or is that still going? Or it is. Yeah. Yep. So we started Awana in Haiti in 2012. Um, I grew up in Awana and um, had interned there um, back in 2010. And then they asked if I would help them launch Awana in Haiti. And so they came in 2012. And we started training um, Haitian pastors and leaders um, all about Awana. And then they would go go off and start their own clubs. And so Franzi and I worked with them until 2015, I think. Um, And then our mission just kept growing. And we didn't feel like we were giving Awana quite as much time as we probably should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they um, found a really awesome American couple in, in Haiti, in the southern part of Haiti, that took over for us. Um, and so we're still involved as much as we can be. Um, we're still translating the Awana curriculum um, into Haitian Creole, um, which is pretty cool. Awana is one of the only organizations that have translated um, their curriculum into Haitian's heart languages. So a lot oh, of times wow. they're only, you know, these organizations go in and they're only in French. And um, only the educated Haitians can speak French. And so Awana um, made it a priority early on to translate all of their programs into French Creole. Could you kind of explain Awana for those who maybe don't know? Because I know I I wasn't uh, in Awana growing up. My church had actually just switched over from Awana to Patch Mm -hmm. the Pirate Club. So I was a patch kid. So I Yeah. So um, here in the States, Awana starts at preschool um, and goes all the way up through 12th grade. And a lot of times once you go through 12th grade here in the States, you're given different schools, scholarships to different universities. Um, in Haiti, it's a little bit different. They, It really just depends on really what country um, the age is. Because a lot of times in Haiti, you might have a 19-year-old who's in fourth or fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of just welcome anybody. They do concentrate on the 414 gap. So um, kids are more receptive to the gospel between age four and 14. Um, and it really is, it's a it's an evangelism, a discipleship program. Um, evangelism in that they have really fun games that mm-hmm. brings the kids in. Um, and then they've got really great discipleship programs that um, walk through, every year they walk through, you know, from um, Adam and Eve all the way through um, through Revelation. And a lot of the programs that, that they do, um, they... In Haiti, they use a storying program, so they really try to teach the Haitians to come up with their own lessons. Um, and so it's not just them standing and reading from a book, but it really helps the Haitians to dive into their Bible. Mm-hmm. And then um, because the kids um, are learning, it also brings in parents. So um, I know for me, when I was growing up, I started at Awana um, at my church, and then um, I got really involved there, and then that's what brought my parents into um, into the church that I grew up in. So we, mm. we love Awana. <laughs> So what does a, uh, I don't want to give any spoilers away. So when you're in Haiti, uh, what does your typical week look like there? Because it sounds like it's all over, all over the place between handing out, like picking the people and setting up micro loans mm-hmm. to going and hiking a mountain to do a, a clinic in the middle of nowhere and uh, and prison ministry which yeah, we your, haven't yeah, I was going to say yeah, yet, your, your but... prison, yeah, yeah let's go ahead and do that one what, uh, how about the prison ministry because I've seen pictures from that and it just looks amazing intimidating <laughs> yeah. yeah and intimidating I think it's one of my favorite part of all the missions that we do in Haiti um, and one day Jenny and I um, among all everything we have going on and one day we were thinking we're like what's missing you know we felt like there was something missing we, we needed to do and Jenny's like, prisons. And I'm like, prison. She's like, yeah. You know, Jesus said that, you know, I was in hospital. We do hospital and stuff. 
But um, when he said I was in the hospital, he didn't come see me. I was in jail and stuff. So we're like, yeah, we should go and see that. So um, I'm friends with one of the police chief in Haiti. And um, we went and met with him. He's like, wow, that would be awesome if you guys do that. So we put hygiene stuff together and um, like fans and, 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 and um, faith flaps. Um, and everything that um, we could um, put together and then go to the prison. And when we went there for the first time, um, the needs, it's way bigger than what we expected. And um, um, in general, you know, the sizes of the cells better than I do. Um, what's the sizes? They're 10 by 10 cells. 10 by 10. And how many people are in those cells? Yeah, and there was 87 and one 10 by 10 cells. And Eight, the guy, 87 men. 87 men. Yeah, 10 by 10. Yeah. Some of them sitting by the window or they stood like with their heads up, like kind of like a Worcester, you know, and every so they can breathe and stuff. Oh, wow. So um, my heart just like, like broke for them. I was like, wow. Because that was my, technically my first time getting really deep into a prison and see all those things going on. And because also. Haitian prisons, like, they don't provide meals, correct? Like, basically, if you're in prison, your family brings you food or you don't eat, right? Well, for the most part. For the most part, but, okay. Cause, so you have, like, your bare minimum then. Yeah, because they had a, a bar of, like, what we call a salami, kind of like a sausage. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, like, probably, like, not even a foot long. Okay. Mm-hmm. And with uh, those, like, crackers and stuff for mm-hmm. 87 men to eat you like to share together and then i was mm-hmm. like that's what you're gonna eat guys oh, wow. like yeah for all 87 so and if they... someone hogs that then yeah. too bad for everybody else <laughs> exactly. i know and they have a a, a five gallon cooligan um, um um gallon mm-hmm. of water for them to drink for the world week so oh, imagine wow. 87, 87 men for one, for one week. and then i'm like wow so um um but the best part of it um when we went that day, um, as we were like giving them stuff, uh, we got two testimonies that were like, um, and we realized that was God who sent us um, to the prison. And uh, one of the guy he called me, he's like, "Hey, can I tell you something, um, uh, Fonzie?" I'm like, "Sure." Um, he's like, "Man, it's been three months. I've been praying for toothpaste because my family don't come to see me and stuff. Three months praying for toothpaste and a bar of soap." So imagine someone in prison. He's like, "That's God sent you guys," and and that's mean a lot to us. So, and I'm like, you know what? Now we'll do whatever it takes. Um, has God provide? Um, every year we can bring you guys stuff. So, yep. so does the prison there? Does the state uh, or country? 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 Yeah. <laughs> do they? Do they? Do they let you uh, share the gospel in the prisons? The- we do. I don't think we've ever really asked <laughs> we permission. Yeah. <laughs> we just kind of go with it. Um, the year that we first went to into the prison, I think, was 2015. Um, and we had been gifted um, New Testament Bibles in Haitian Creole. Um, and so we did. We went in, and we everyone got a New Testament Bible. And as we were leaving, it was around noon, and they all started singing hymns and praying um, and just, like, really praising the Lord for the things that had been given. Um, so yeah, we, we do. I don't know if it's allowed, but we do. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Maybe it's something, maybe those, maybe that's kind of the clause that God put in there. Like, yeah. okay, he'll, he'll bring you toothpaste, and, yeah. but, but yeah, right, yeah. they're going to give you the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. So how often do you guys go to the prisons? Is it just like once a year yeah. or, and what all do you, what all do you collect for them again? Yep. So right now it's just once a year. If we were, um, if we could afford to take 1500 <laughs> of every, of every item and right. um, more often we definitely would, but we, right now we're doing shampoo and soap and toothbrush and toothpaste. Um, this year we collected enough flip flops so that every prisoner will get, um, flip flops. Um, they've asked for Boxer. pens and paper, 
boxers towels. and vest and towels. Okay. Um, so the boxers and vest and towels we haven't quite gotten um, gotten enough. So some some of them will get you know maybe one guy will get a bo- pair of boxers here and the next one will get get a towel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys are actually really good at sharing. So whenever we take the bags in, every cell has like someone in charge a chief yeah. <laughs> yeah and then he takes all the bags they dump them in the middle of their cell and then they put things in like the mattresses because they said a lot of times like the guards will come back in and maybe take some things mm-hmm. um and so then they all use one tube of toothpaste until it's gone and they share everything so um for now like they're really understanding that you know we can't give 1500 towels out mm-hmm. but um this is the first year that we have 1500 flip-flops and so we get to oh, pass wow. those awesome. out in may um and they are so excited that's that would be great. Cool. So you guys provide more hygiene stuff than exactly. like you don't do like any medical stuff for them. No, our dream is to do a medical clinic, but we um, it's going to be a big project. So there's yeah. 1,500 prisoners in this prison, and actually since April, I think that they maybe have gotten more than that. More, yeah. yeah. Um, and so to do a medical clinic, we would need quite a few doctors, and then we would need to pay extra guards um, mm. to take the the prisoners out of the cells. So yeah. someday that's a dream. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I just thought of another ministry that you guys have been doing, the wedding dresses. Mm-hmm. So what oh, yeah. is that? Uh, catch us up to date on that one, or explain <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. So um, in 2013, friends and I got married, and um, the following month, so January 2014, um, we had two couples come to us, and they were like, "Listen, we want to get involved with your ministry. We have been living together. We've got kids, and we want to get our lives right with the Lord before we get involved." Um, and so friends and I were like, "Well, we love being married. Let's marry other people." <laughs> And so um, we got in touch with the pastor, and he kind of went through some marriage counseling with them. And I just randomly put on, put out on Facebook that um, that we needed wedding dresses and rings and suits and different things just because we wanted to bless them with a, a pretty wedding. And um, people sent us, I think we have like 14 or 15 dresses and all different sizes and suits. And we've got like a stock of rings, like really nice rings um, at our house in Haiti. And so um, our staff now... They kind of feel people out, and if people come to them and they're like, hey, you know, we want to get married, then we, um, we'll sit down and meet with them. Um, next week when we're in Haiti, we actually have a meeting with a couple that want to get married. Um, but the last couple that we married, they were in their 80s. Oh, and wow. And they have, like, great yeah. grandkids. And they were like, listen, we've always wanted to get married. Can you help us do this? Oh, wow. So that was really cool. So what is it that, like, if they'd been together that long, what mm-hmm. is it that, like, they why didn't they just because it wasn't a priority or? well Haitians believe in a huge party mm-hmm. and so they couldn't ever afford a huge party or oh, like a okay. really nice dress or anything and they um I think maybe that kind of shows your status like the right. bigger wedding um and so that's that's honestly why they had never done it so we um Franzi and I tried to make our wedding an example here in the states and so our wedding was pretty small um we didn't serve we served cookies and milk mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we have like a wedding album in Haiti and we show them you know what it's all about getting your life right with the Lord and right. your love for each other it's not about this huge party um and so after we sit down and talk to them they're usually okay with that so that's okay. awesome yeah. you usually offer counseling before they get married or is that something that okay mm-hmm. yeah if is they don't a... have a pastor then we definitely do right. okay cool so a lot of it is people like hey we realize we've been living in sin and we want to do things right and exactly. you're just making it a little kind of giving them, giving them that luxury of yes. having the wedding that they wanted yeah, yeah. okay that's, that's really awesome. cool yeah all right uh, then man i just have so many questions i'm all i'm all, <laughs> I'm all jumbled up here in, in my list i keep thinking of other things um before i get any further just because i'm curious here can you catch us up to date on your mountain? I had mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. and, and I say you guys have a mountain because you do. You have Mount uh, St. Suzanne. Uh, yeah, St. Suzanne. St. Suzanne. Yeah, I got it right. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. So um, that was kind of a whole godsend, getting the mountain and everything else like that, wasn't it? 
Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up in the city, man, you know, even though I don't like the city, but um, I love the countryside and stuff. But uh, when we definitely realized that God wanted us to be in census, I'm like, well, that's kind of really for our God. <laughs> so, um, I'm like, uh, Jenny's like, the beach is white there, God. You know what I mean? We need a piece of land right by the beach, you know. That would be fine to do ministry. So. <laughs> It's like, nope, you well, go to the beach house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys have a pretty beach, too. Yeah, it's yeah, very beautiful. The, so, um, you know, God wanted us um, in St. Suzanne, uh, which there's no missionary there because the world is so bad. Actually, it's not technically not a world. Um, so no one's really want to go to St. Suzanne. Um, usually when we do clinics, um, it's mostly like um, young people and kids that come to the clinic. And the very first clinic that we did, uh, we saw like 300 patients and like 200-ish were all elderly. And we're like, okay. And the second time we did it, and it was the same thing. And we realized, hmm, it's like there's more elderly, you know, in census and then, you know, young people and stuff. So we realized after the earthquake in 2010, um, most of those um, kids, like some of them died in the earthquake. Or some of them like are in Dominican Republic. Um, trying to get a better life and leave their parents, you know, back in St. Suzanne. And we saw the need in St. Suzanne. And that's why we're working on building the nursing home mm -hmm. in St. Suzanne um, due to the needs we saw for the elderly instead of, like, orphanage or church. Mm -hmm. But it's mostly, like, the need, you know, um, for those elderly. Um, and then we were praying about, you know, um, find a piece of land. And God said, like, he's the mountain, you know. <laughs> Um, and we're like, okay, uh, we're gonna put, it, we're gonna put faith in, and um, we we started building on it. Um, a year ago, we yeah, building. a year ago. Yeah. Um, and actually, the good news we had, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, is that um, we started the uh, a guest house, actually a warehouse first, and then the guest house going to be on top of the warehouse, and um, we were praying. Um, I'm sure you're going to ask that questions, but I can go ahead and ask. And one of the biggest surprises we had last year, right? And um, when we wanted started um, building in the mountain, um, um, Coneston Trafalgar actually um, blessed us with, like, the biggest check we've ever seen in our life. <laughs> so, you know, um, every time I see that check, I'm like, man. It's hanging that... in our office at all. Yeah, <laughs> office so I'm good. like, man. And so um, that was a You're great... supposed to catch it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that's a huge blessing uh, that was. And we started that. And actually, um, next week, when Jenny and I went Haiti, we're going to um, put the wolf on the warehouse okay. so we can continue with the uh, guest house. So that's that's a huge um, step for us. So this is, all... I mean, you're, you guys are building it right because I know it is an area that gets a lot of hurt, earthquakes and. Yeah. Earthquakes. I'm combining er <laughs> earthquakes and hurricanes both, together. They yeah. get both, yeah. They get yeah. Um, so this is kind of going to be your guys's your home base, your headquarters down there. It's going to mm -hmm. have – I've seen the blueprints for it. What your plans – I mean, it looks awesome as yeah, far as great. having, like, the nursing home, like your – like your warehouse and everything staged and did you guys build your bridge or are you still working on the bridge or – Still working on the bridge. Okay. Yeah, we've got some ideas. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, – yeah, I'm 
that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. So what all are you going to keep like in the warehouse? What all is that mm-hmm. for exactly? Yeah. So um, whenever we first purchased the mountain, um, we learned that we needed to build a bridge <laughs> um, so that we could build onto the mountain. And so we purchased a piece of land that was across the street from the mountain right next to the road. And so we started building this warehouse and it ended up being way bigger than um, we thought because we'd never built on a mountain before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, so the bottom floor is... Um, an apartment and then we've got the warehouse and so every year we partner with um another man from indiana and he sends containers to haiti and so um every year we're gifted um mana packs which is um like dried rice and beans beans and soy um the 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 haitians just have to put water just boil water um and it has all the spices and everything in it um and so we'll store that and then things to start um businesses Mm -hmm. um for our um, our microloans and then the medication so right now here in the states like we have friends basements and garages just full of <laughs> everything that we need yeah. <laughs> and so um this since we'll have this warehouse we'll be able to send all of that into haiti and just have it there and ready and we won't have to like plan nine or ten months in advance um for our next clinic it'll already be in haiti which will be really nice it's That's really great. your guys' yeah. mission has grown so fast that you now need a warehouse yeah. down in haiti <laughs> to, to support all of your different yeah. endeavors yeah it's really cool too we've been scraping money together just like praying that the money for the roof would come in before we went to haiti and um we made our final 2018 deposit on the 31st of december <laughs> and then um my mom kind of helps us with the finances mm-hmm. Um, and this morning she texted and said that we had enough oh, for the roof. Awesome. So we found out this morning. And so we're going to put that on, um, next Friday. Cool. So that also like whenever you guys add on or whatever, that's really good for the community because it's giving people jobs, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. So, um, next Friday we will employ how many men? 70. Oh, that's great. 70. Yep. Just Before for the, the wolf, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause, but by studying the foundation going all the way up, we hired like for like for months like 45 um, men you know and women you know mm-hmm. um, that were part of it and when we stopped because we didn't have money to continue right. and then every day um, you know um, the staff we have in Haiti working they will call and when is the next time we're going to start again because <laughs> oh, yeah. people keep asking us you know because they need yeah. a job uh-huh. you know? So, um, yeah, so it's going to be 70 men and women, you know, working for like a week. So it's, it's helping a lot the community. That's awesome. mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the, oh, sorry, go ahead. The, the people who work, they are given three meals a day and then they're also giving groceries to go home. Right. Oh, that's um, awesome. okay. so, um, it's really fun. Yeah, it's so, neat. so, so kind of back to St. Suzanne being an elderly community. So is this more of, this is where the family was and now the kids have grown up and they're like, oh, the only jobs are in the city, so I'm going to leave mom and dad and I'm going to go into the city and forget about them. And now they're stuck there, unable to kind of provide the means for themselves. And then uh, you guys are pretty much taking yeah. taking over the the role of caretakers and everything else for them. Yeah, right? yeah that's exactly right. Um, we we talk to our um, staff and talk about how the elderly men and women that we're serving, um, they're orphans as well. Um, a lot of times in Haiti, you invest your whole life into your kids and they're your retirement plan. Um, and so then you just trust that whenever they get older, um, they're going to get great jobs and support you. And a lot of the people that we work with, their kids went to the Dominican Republic and like totally abandoned them. Mm-hmm. Um, or they passed away in the earthquake in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one man named Desibert. Um, He is probably in his late 80s. But when you ask him, he tells you he's four years old. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, he, um, we have interviewed about all of the, the men and women that we have in our program. Um, and I think his story breaks my heart the most. He talks about how his kids grew up and went to the Dominican Republic. 
and they never came back. He's just, um, he was a farmer all of his life. Um, and he knows he has grandkids and great grandkids and they don't, um, his kids just tell him that, that he's gone, that he's passed away because they don't want to, mm-hmm. they don't want to deal with him. And so, um, it's just people like that. Like that's why we're doing what we're doing in St. Suzanne. So mm-hmm. they don't have contact with their kids or mm-hmm. their kids like somehow have a way to contact them but just don't see them exactly so the kids could probably contact them because he's lived in saint suzanne all of his life um but they just don't Mm -hmm. you know they've got their lives in the dominican republic and it's easier to just stay there than come back right so um i guess kind of readjusting my question here sorry i got a little off topic but i'm (laughs) glad we went that way um what so you guys have moved more to a stateside support role now. I know that I know that's been hard, especially for Franzi kind of leaving home to come to come here. But can you kind of explain uh, your reasoning behind that? Well, actually, um, when Jenny and, um, and I we went Haiti full time, um, the support we were bringing in was not enough, you know, like to do everything that we saw we could do. Mm-hmm. And also, um, for an example, um, we were bringing in like 1500 bucks every month. We had to pay apartment and, you know, um, we had a car we had, you know, in Haiti, we get like six flat tires every day oh, wow. at least. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember one day, um, we had a team and for that day, legit like six flat tires we got. And at night, oh, you're serious. In a day? It's serious. Like it's yeah. not a joke, oh, like wow. six flat tires for the day. And at night when we finally fixed it and we were going back home and we were like crying in the car and like, man, God, we need new tires. <laughs> and then we got a check from, from the church, you know, the, the church sent out a, a check and said like, you know, guys, it's not for mission. It's for you. And the second we got the check, the next day we're going by tires. Because <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there some like. Was there a reason that the tires were so expensive at yes. that point in time? What yeah, because they're all imported. Yeah. So okay. they're so expensive. Yeah. So um, it, it was such a blessing, you know, and I to be able to get new tires. And then we were like, we can go anywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, um, oh, you're fine. So you, yeah, you, yeah, you were talking about that. Uh, the money that you guys were using was kind right. of eating into your support. Okay. Right. So, um, um, and we decided, you know, um, and, and Paul did the same thing. Paul gave us the example of like when he was into missions and he went out of support, he did not have enough money, for, you know, and I mean to continue preaching the gospel and everything. And he went back and started making tents again and sold them so he could have money to point to the mission God, you know, God gave him to do. And that's the same example. That's what we're trying to do. Um, Jenny and I, we come back. Um, we both have um, full-time job. Um, and we are able to support our family and support the mission. And we have a, a team of 10 people in Haiti, uh, men and women, that um, got the vision of serving um, God's people. And it's not always about gin and frenzy in the front line but you know it's haitian um blessing and serving all the haitians so um that which is a great example um we have so uh, that's that's the main idea for us being in the u.s um it's to be able to support the missions um it's got to be encouraging too knowing that you have a group of people down there that you trust enough with your mission while you're gone to know that the money that you're sending down there will be used for the purpose that you you meant for it to be used it really is. And they believe in the mission just as much as we do. They all have full-time jobs as well. Um, and then they, um, you know, they 
do their jobs for the mission on the side. Um, all, all except one. We have one full-time staff member. Um, but yeah, they, they believe in the mission. So one of the last times you guys went down, you didn't tell anybody, right? You yeah. just kind of showed just up so to see surprised. how things oh, right. were exactly. really going. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like, oh, on the phone, how are things going? Yes, so yeah. You, just, you wanted to see what things were happening. Were you guys pleased with uh, what they were doing? We were. Went? They were killing it. Yeah, actually, <laughs> we were shocked. Like, yeah. <laughs> they did more than we kind of like sent them money to do. And oh, we're well. like, where did you get money to do that? <laughs> um, and and, and uh, the other thing, um, I mean, it, it is everywhere, but um, to find people with integrity, um, mm-hmm. people who are like um, serving other people, not expecting something back or, you know, and getting paid. And like I said from the beginning, um, preaching the gospel is not only like holding a Bible or, you know, know the Bible and you tell someone, you know, a few verses and like, hey, Jesus is coming back, you need to blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it's also like living it. And they saw how Jenny and I, um, we're serving people in Haiti, not expecting, you know, it's not that we're making money out of it. It's mm-hmm. actually we're giving more than we already, we don't have. And they kind of learn. Um, I remember one day, um, we received money, you know, we exchanged the money. And there was two of the um, our team members in the car with us. And then they had, like, um, money for sewing. So money for that part, money for that, money for that. And they knew for a week we did not have money to even put gas in our car. And at the end, he's like, can I ask you a question, Franzi? I'm like, sure, go for it. He's like, I see that, Jenny, you guys have the money, and you keep saying money for this person, money for so-and-so, money to help so-and-so. But I know for a week now you guys did not have money. Mm-hmm. Actually, he borrowed 50 U.S., I mean Haitian, from someone to give it to us so we could put gas in our car. Uh-huh. And that's someone we're helping. <laughs> so imagine. <laughs> um, he's like, I borrowed 50 Haitian dollars for you guys. And then I heard, like, you see, you have all this money. You're saying for so-and-so, 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 but not yourself. Like, why can't you take some of that? I'm like, because when they sent that money, they said it's for ministry, not for Fonzie and Jenny. <laughs> He's like, man. So, and that same guy, um, we had someone we were helping that was in a hospital. We sent money, and the money was not enough. And then they went and used their own money to take care of everything else that they needed to take care of for that person. So they kind of like learning, not just... I'm talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's showing it, you know, in your action and stuff. So um, we, we are very thankful for um, the stuff we have in Haiti, like the integrity, um, the love and passion they have for what um, they're doing. So um, it's awesome. It's great. great. So what are some of the biggest challenges you guys have faced with the mission last year? I would say starting this giant construction project and then just coming to a complete <laughs> halt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, because, um, so when we started this big project, this is like the biggest building other than the Catholic church in St. Suzanne. And so politicians were coming out and people were asking, Hey, like, what are you guys doing? And we were super excited. Oh, like the Lord is providing, we're building this awesome building. And then like April comes along and we have no more money. (laughs) And so people are like, Oh wow. Like this must not be a very serious mission because they can't even finish their building. Um, and so, um, I think that, I think that has been like the biggest challenge because, um, you face like you've got these blocks that don't have any stucco or anything on them and it's raining on them. And so you worry about that. And so, um, that has been that's been a challenge this year, but next week it's gonna be fixed, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I can take us into my next question. How often do you guys try to visit a year? 
So right now, um, we are visiting. We were supposed to. We we're supposed to be there in November, um, but our trip got postponed to January. So we're kind of looking at, we're going to take a team of Americans to Haiti in the spring, um, and then a family trip in every November is what we're going to do until the Lord okay. sends us back. <laughs> okay. So I, I kind of want to get into that. Um, the story behind, at least the story I heard of mm-hmm. why your trip was postponed back in November is kind of uh, not a kinda typical crazy. phone call that you get, doesn't yeah. seem like. <laughs> yeah. Um, Haiti, it's like... Indiana weather, <laughs> like you never know when something gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, we were waiting like that was like a week before or less than that when we decided not to yeah. go. It was the day of, yeah, and oh. like <laughs> last minute, yeah. yeah, the last minute. And we just heard, you know, Haiti was upside down, and we're like, well, I think we're gonna have to cancel. You know, we have a, a lot of political issues in Haiti. Um, was that what this was about? Yeah, that was about that. You know, people were not happy with the president or everything else, and they just decided one Monday they're gonna get up and just like started burning tires and shooting and everything. You know, and people could not travel, so that's when we decided. You know what? Um, um, and our staff member also like I was on the phone with one of the guy, and then you could hear those gun like automatic guns going like i'm like whoa <laughs> it's like going to shooting range so uh, and weren't they weren't they telling you like hey uh don't come down here now yeah. they're like no 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 we want to <laughs> yeah. see you but don't come don't come so uh, oh wow yeah we did though i think not going at that time so, so. Have, have things calmed down since then well yeah technically but it's <laughs> like i said it's haiti so you never know you might wake up or while sleeping and then turn on your radio or you'll hear the noise of guns and then tomorrow nobody can go out so oh, wow. uh, but we keep praying that you know god will keep everything on control and we'll be able to go in and so when serve, you, so. when do you guys leave friday the 11th friday. yes the 11th. Oh, six, man. Days. Six, six days <laughs> yeah. yeah who's coming how long are you gonna be there we'll be there for a week for a week yeah. okay awesome yeah what are you guys' goals while you're down there we are putting a water pump in the prison. Um, so right now the guys are drinking kind of salty water because the yeah. prison is really close to the ocean. And so their drinking water has a little salt in it. And so we're putting a new pump in the prison. We are putting a roof on our warehouse. We are meeting with all of our school kids. We've got 32 kids in school this year. And so we're going to meet with them and take new pictures for the school year and get some letters for their sponsors. And we're going to do a feeding program with this and um, the elderly. Mm-hmm. What else? Oh, I feel like Franzi's family gets to meet somebody new yes. who we haven't no. talked about. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Talking about. Yeah. Really miss that. Yeah. yeah, little yeah. Austin, who yeah. is almost seven months old. He gets, he'll turn seven months old while we're in Haiti. Um, and he is going to get to meet his grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles and staff. He's so I'm all sure they're of not excited at all. No, not <laughs> I, I think they're going to totally ignore Franzi and I. Yeah. <laughs> He's a pretty cute kid. He is. I think, yeah. Yes, he's super cute. <laughs> Every time I see it, like a picture of him, I'm like, oh my goodness, I just can't handle it. He's really I mean, funny. Come on, look at his dad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he does look a lot like you. He does look a lot like you. <laughs> like there's, really one, there's one picture, I don't remember when it was from, but it's on your Christmas card because I was looking uh, at a church the other day, but you're holding him, Franzi, and like you guys are just making the same face. Oh, like, yeah. it's so for adorable. Snow. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I love it. So what are some things that people here in churches um, – if we were to, I guess, uh, before I get in, well, no, I'll come back to that. Sorry about that. I'm still working on this whole podcast hosting interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
still uh, on two hours of sleep. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a quick turnaround for me. Um, so what are some things that people can do and churches can do to help you uh, here in the States for your ministry? I think the first thing that comes to mind is like spread the word. So Franz and I are here. Um, we work Monday through Friday um, and the weekends we hope to travel and speak as much as possible. And so just spreading the word, if you know, like even like, an FFA group at a school or anyone that would be willing to listen to us talk about Haiti. Um, we would just love to get the word out more um, and maybe gain some more support either financially or prayerfully. Okay. Any specific prayers? I know probably uh, for the week that you're down there for safety and calm political times and, right. and productive, nice weather. And Well, yeah, that too. Uh, but most of the time, those things that I always ask is like prayers for the team. Um, and like we started, um, like the supernatural voodoo things. Like, I mean, it's not just Haiti. Whenever you're doing the white thing, like the devil is not going to be happy about it. And people think that like, you know, um, um, the bad spirit or if you call it like the devil, it's only like in Haiti. It, it, it's not. It, it, it's everywhere, you know. Um, even here in America or in Australia or wherever it is, um, it's the devil is not gonna be happy about what you do, you know, um, to let someone else um, aware of what God's doing. And I think um, the men and women in Haiti, like in our team, like um, trying to make a difference, um, trying to live by integrity, trying to show God um, to people. I think that that means a lot, and we always asking prayers for them so they can. Um, keep them safe um, um, when it's come to um, voodoo things, when it's come to like physical things that, you know, uh, people that might attack them physically and stuff. Um, and also prayers for Jenny and I and everyone else who are involved. And to cause a mission, mission tracker is not about Jenny and Franzi or even only the stuff that's in Haiti. It's about everyone who see the vision, you know, like your guys, you know, having us here, um, um, Talking about mission track, I, that's that's a huge thing, you know, for the mission as well. So it's part of it. So um, everyone who get the vision and contribute to it, I think it's it means a lot. No, I think that's I think that's great. Very specific. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some things that is there anything that you guys need that uh, we can help you out with, or Cornerstone, or any of the churches that are are listening to this can help you out before you leave? I know we only have a couple days, but I think prayers. I think. Yeah. Our bags are still packed from November. <laughs> we never <laughs> even unpacked. So um, I think just prayers, prayers for a good yeah. good trip. Um, we have a really full schedule next week. We were going through, I don't think we're going to sleep. I think we're just going to keep going and going and going. <laughs> um, so just prayers for a productive week, um, but also that we're able to encourage our staff as well. Because like Francis mm -hmm. said, they're on the front lines. And we know what it's like to be on the front lines, and it's not easy. So Yeah. yeah. I think I'm gonna push this episode out probably a week early. That way, people can get some extra prayers before we awesome. before you guys head down. <laughs> so this whole, I'm not saying I'm going, but this whole taking some people down yeah. this, this spring. Yeah. What what would that look like if if uh, if I were to be interested? Yeah, yeah. So um, our trip is May 4th through 11th, um, and we have people from Washington State and Illinois and Wisconsin mm -hmm. that are all gonna meet up in Haiti. Um, on May 4th, and we are planning on a week full of ministry. So we, um, some of the people that are going to meet up with us, they are doctors and nurses. Um, and some of them are, they, you know, they work on construction projects. And so we um, are going to do the prison ministry. 
and we are planning on a couple of clinics and a day at the beach, of course, because you have <laughs> to do that. Um, and um, if everything goes um, as planned, we might stay in St. Suzanne, which will be our first team that will stay actually in St. Suzanne in our warehouse. So we're kind of yeah. going to make like a makeshift guest house it might be a little <laughs> rugged but it's gonna be really fun um and just a lot of serving and loving on the elderly in saint suzanne okay yeah, that's awesome that's yeah. cool yeah. there's lots of open seats yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know how many people you want to take or friends and i always say the more the merrier <laughs> oh really okay yeah yeah okay. so um in haiti um we use daihatsu trucks which is like just a big pickup truck mm-hmm. and then we have rebar that's welded on the side so people can stand up and just hold on and so you can probably fit like 60 people on yeah. <laughs> So Sounds... the more the merrier, really. We're cool. OSHA approved, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So when you guys get back, we definitely want to have you guys back on to make sure that we get some updates and everything else before. Like, I don't know. I'm excited to hear about everything that's going on and see the progress and we would love that. Yeah, I think yeah. that sounds really We're excited cool. excited to... We like to talk. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, what are some... Or I guess, what is some advice that you would give someone that maybe feels like God is uh, leading them to the ministry? Maybe a young listener or somebody. I mean, it could be anybody that feels that they're that God's leading them to a foreign ministry. I think that the advice my pastor gave me about making it public was really good, or finding a mentor, or someone to just hold you accountable. Like um, I know when I was in Haiti, I was like really on fire and like I'm going to go back and I want to be a missionary. And um, I think um, you know making it public um in the sense that you know whenever you come back and you're back into you know normal life you know in in the states um you don't forget that that fire um but then also getting plugged into a group like youth with a mission or something like that um so that you can learn and make sure that really is something that that you want to do um and then reading i love to read like biographies (laughs) i think i read like every single missionary biography i could find um just because i wanted to make sure that um, you know, I had people to look up to whenever I was on the mission. Anything group. you would suggest or any reading material or podcast or anything like that that would help? So my very favorite book um, when I was preparing for the mission field was called I Would Die For You um, by um, B.J. Higgins. He was um, a teenager who went to Haiti, um, or not not Haiti, to Peru. Um, and he ended up, it's actually a sad story, he ended up getting sick and passing away. But his parents have um, really carried on his legacy, and they took snippets from his journal while he was in Peru and wrote this book. And he actually grew up in Monrovia, Indiana. I didn't know oh, that wow. until okay. after I read the book. Huh. Um, and so it's called I Would Die For You, and Brent and Deanna Higgins wrote it, and it's B.J. Higgins story and i think that that just really if you're really feeling called into missions i mean it's it's really i I think it really just shows you how how tough mission work can be but also like the reward um and so that was my favorite book cool yeah um just to add what on what jenny said um mission it's not like you're going to vacation and go to the beach and have fun you know and i mean uh, i mean you can have those too but um mission is more like um going to be god's hands and feet and remember, Jesus came to be God's hands and feel what happened to him. So imagine what would happen to you. I mean, um, and also for me, I think um, you get a chance to be part of what God is doing on earth. Um, and, and Paul said that um, it's, a, it's a huge favor for him to be able to be, um, um, get part of like the suffering, you know, of Jesus and be able to, you know, kind of like show up that it's, it's it's a huge favor for to him and also for us it's like you know being in mission it's it's something huge i think um 
all the things Jenny and I we went through um, missions and like I said we don't even tell our family about it because we know they'll be like what because mm-hmm. it's it's scary it's um kind of threatening but um but when you know or like after you've done serving someone or population or somewhere and you see the the um the effect you know what i mean the joy and the stuff like or even like years after you're gonna realize wow you know the impact um you did on those people and you're like hmm I mean, if I died on that place doing ministry, I mean, it's worth it, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, someone knows God. And we have um, two guys in Haiti. Um, one of them was uh, kind of, okay, Christian-ish going to church. And the other one never go to church and stuff. So um, when we started doing ministry with them, like, we were not, like, putting them sitting down and say, like, you know, you have to accept Jesus. You have to this and that and blah, blah, blah. But they were kind of, like, learning from us. We did not even pay attention to that. We go to the house, like, in the middle of nowhere and stuff. And a few months, like, after one, um, the one that did not know anything about God came, he's like, you know what, guys? I decided I'm going to follow Jesus. Oh. I'm like, really? He's like, I've been watching and observing the way you guys serving people in Haiti. It's totally different. To what I've seen before, so it's it's meant a lot. And then he got married. He was not married, but he married his partner that at that time. And then you know, um, serving God now. So it's it's it can be fun. That's the fun part of missions, and to see what God is doing. But also, it's really hard, you know. And I'm not trying to scare anyone who's going into mission, but it it's not gonna be fun. Like you know, you're gonna go into vacation, like I said. Um, but knowing the Sing the wizard of it, the ones that God would allow you to see, it's a huge blessing, I think. It's for me, like, for God to choose me, me, like, nothing, you know what I mean? To be able to go somewhere and, like, you know, bless someone in his name, it, I think it's everything. So, um, um, I would like Jenny advise you and then me too, uh, like, um, if you feel that's what God wants you to do, let me tell you, forget everything else, just go for it because. <laughs> It, it's awesome it's it's a lovely things to do it's serving people so you're making Ginny cry and giving me goosebumps oh no <laughs> it's, uh, yeah we would talk all night long so <laughs> about that no, uh, your guys' story you sound like well, the Apostle Paul mixed with Indiana Jones I think yeah. I think knowing like because we know quite a bit of stuff about you guys that we haven't even scratched the surface of tonight just that's just super cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we tried not to tell you a lot, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we just, you know, just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, just come back wanting for like wanting more. Yeah, that's I why guess. you guys are coming back. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't come back, we're gonna come find you. And we'll, <laughs> we'll record with you. There. Yeah. Oh, we could do live from Haiti. That, that would be, be cool, so cool. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, we've always said, like, neither one of us have ever been out of the country. We don't have passports. But we've always said if we were going to get passports, we yes. would go to Haiti and probably Niagara and Canada. So. I love that. Uh, yes. Haiti's a good good, good place to start. That would be a good place to start. How much sunscreen would I need if I go to Haiti? <laughs> <laughs> or how much sunscreen would Beth need? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just I feel like Jenny and I are pretty, pretty yeah. close on yeah. <laughs> I'm really good about applying sunscreen. I always buy SPF 50, and it's like every hour on the hour. And yes. Levi usually gets way more burnt than I do. <laughs> I think Jenny can answer that question because I, I, I born with my natural sunscreen. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
what's the weather like? Uh, this is kind of going back into. I'm just not done asking questions. Yet. <laughs> hey, go for it. <laughs> is the weather pretty consistent down there, like year round, or is it like, or is it like real hot and then just kind of hot? Is it like Florida or? Yeah. It was. It's 82 today. Yeah. 82 and that sunny. Oh, that wonderful. would be way better than 30 great. and cold yes. and wet. Yeah. It did get up to like 55 here today, which is yeah, not terrible. That's yes. good for January in Indiana. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. When it's get to 60, 55, it's freezing and heating. Yeah. Patients yeah. have mittens and scarves. Yeah, and jackets, <laughs> beanie, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have I was a outside in a hoodie today. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Correct me if I'm wrong, but because it's mountainous down there, they kind of have a hard time with being like, oh, it's either too dry or it's flooded yeah is that right yeah yeah it floods really yeah. easily the rainy season is may to well, november. It's, yeah november december may like it's it just changed all the time so yeah. they're they're pretty uh like an agriculturally based community around there right what's the main crop uh rice uh we use actually haiti was a um, one of the biggest um, country in the Caribbean, I would say, um, that exported um, cacao, coffee, uh, plantain, plantain sugarcane, uh, I mean, a bunch. Okay. Um, so. hmm. Sorry, I wanted to ask that one again. Cause, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Then I heard that your mountain has breadfruit, and I, I watched a show where some people eat breadfruit, and I really want to try breadfruit. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. 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 When you fry it, oh. What's it taste like? I don't know. I think last time I asked you that, you said it tasted like breadfruit. I don't know. To, What's know. it look like? It looks like a dinosaur's egg. It really does <laughs> look like a dinosaur egg. <laughs> yeah, it's, it can be huge, like really big. Uh, it's got like spikes, kind of. Yeah. Like on the outside, they're huge. Like we used to have one outside of our bedroom window, and we knew when it would fall because <laughs> it was so loud. Yeah, <laughs> we have to look it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good though. You could try it in May. When you go down. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. So if someone were planning to maybe come down, yes. um, and they wanted to try some food first, uh-huh. you've said before that the food in Hades like kind of like Creole Cajun yes. kind of yeah a lot of beans and rice mm-hmm. is like the staple and then mm-hmm. they do different meats and sauces so there's like a Creole sauce and then there's a bean sauce and chicken goat and beef are like the mm-hmm. main pork I guess there's pork pretty spicy or is it for the most part for the most yeah. part yeah and, and, and one of the things also um, when people go to Haiti they're kind of like afraid of trying food mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it because like I, I used to travel a lot and every country that I've been to, like the very first day, whatever I eat, I get sick. And mm-hmm. two days after, I'm okay. Because mm-hmm. your system is not used to the spicy or the food. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Okay. This is this is coming from Franzi, who says that his <laughs> Subway order is a meatball sub on Italian with barbecue sauce, jalapenos, mayonnaise, right? And olives. And, and black olives. olives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, you know, the uh, Car- Caribbean spices are like, really strong mm-hmm. um so you will get eventually you know your system is not used to it for the first time you might get a little bit of tummy ache and mm-hmm. stuff but you'll be fine after that you know um but um the food is not because you know that's you know originally like the food that i eat but um i think it's it's this pretty good it is pretty good for yeah. an indiana girl jenny yes i love it okay i think it's good my yeah. fate this is so weird my favorite for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> Is hot dogs and spaghetti. 
Really? That for breakfast? Yeah, that yeah. is a, I mean, a Haitian staple of breakfast. I know that's a so, thing, but I like a real know Italian people treat. eat it for yeah. breakfast. Yeah, hot dogs yeah. and spaghetti. So, like, the ideal day of eating in Haiti would be hot dogs and spaghetti for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then... With um, a sour soap juice. Oh, yeah, sour soap juice, which uh, is a really delicious sounds juice. Sounds gross. It kind of tastes like a Starburst. <laughs> that oh, sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's then. amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm down so far. Yes, so. yeah. And then What is that lunch, made out of? Um, the fruit sour soap. The fruit, I don't know. Oh, it's like called sour soap. Yeah. Dinosaurs oh. eggs. Also, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everything really looks good. like a dinosaur. Thing. So it's basically yeah. Yeah. huge. <laughs> yes. So Haiti is Jurassic Park. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then for lunch, we would have a big plate of beans and rice mm-hmm. and maybe some fish. Mm-hmm. And then for dinner, we would do hot chocolate and bread and peanut butter. That's like a mm-hmm. typical. Oh, speaking food. of fish, uh, what is that place called? I don't know. Your John Silver's? <laughs> Thank you, brother. Is that really, really? it? <laughs> Yeah, that's really it. Okay, I just <laughs> so you know when I first came to America, Jenny's like, well, I'm like, man, I kind of like you know want to eat fish and stuff. She's like, well, I'm gonna take you to a place, you know, you're gonna have fish. What are our <laughs> options in Indiana? I mean, it was like, right. I felt like I was eating like a dough, you know what I mean? And I'm like, that's not fish. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's what we got. <laughs> I'm like, it's a white thing covered with another white thing, and then they fry it. That's not fish. <laughs> So and I'm like you know because in Haiti you know uh, people like go to the ocean and you know get the fish and you eat it right there you know they just clean it and put spices in it and fry it you know like you you eating like real fish and I'm like that's not fish <laughs> you know yeah think about Long John Silver's about as far away yeah. from fresh fish as you can yeah. <laughs> not even close really so it's I not love it. so it's not like church's chicken it's not like none anything. of that none of that you know and and I think that's like for me it's the last place on earth I would ever go and eat. Like, <laughs> Very passionate. <laughs> yes. Uh, so if you're a church thinking about having Ginny and Franzi, and you're, when you take them out to eat, don't take them to Long John's. Yeah. No, not at all. I can't even pass by. Just really pass by. No. Every time I see one or I smell the food, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> okay. hey, that is Angel's favorite place to eat. Is it really? Yes. Uh, well, her and I can go and you could. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is there much French food or any, like a, like I know French is like a strong influence in the language. Is is it much culturally down there? Yes, for the most part. Um, for an example, on Sunday morning, I mean any day, like people tend to just like you know, uh, nice pants and uh, shirts and with a tie and stuff. Um, and the food as well, you know, it's kind of influenced a little bit, but not a lot, you know. A lot of French bakeries. Yeah, a lot of French bakeries. Oh, what's that French pastry called that they dip in the coffee? Oh, uh, a, a beignet. Beignet. Oh, is that a thing? Do they have those things? I bet it is. A beignet. We have like two things that we like at the French bakery. It's like, what did Megan describe it as? Because she had them whenever she went to New Orleans. Oh. And they're like, was it like a... It was like like a biscuit dough, like covered in like powdered thing. sugar, and like you had, I don't know. There's like I a think certain Delhi has those. There's like a certain kind of coffee that you're supposed to. It's like oh. really, yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember much. Yeah, we there, could there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look them up on Pinterest. Yeah, I've seen them there. Yeah, so. we'll have to check it out. <laughs> Well, cool. Thank you guys so much for being on here. Thanks for Wait. having us. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Where, where can we? Where can listeners find you? Uh, social media, websites. So we missiontrackguide.org. We have Facebook, Mission Track Guide Inc., and then Instagram, which I'm not super good at updating, but it's <laughs> Mission Track Guide. 
Okay. If we get and lots of followers, I'll start updating it more. Okay, cool. <laughs> we will link to that since I'm sure nobody can spell trake yes. and I can barely say it. So. <laughs> not karaoke, not, not teriyaki. teriyaki. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being on here. Thank thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I mean, had a good time. Yeah, thanks. We did too. I, can, I, well, I think we could go on all night. We probably would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to the New Arrival podcast. It was so much fun having Ginny and Franzi on. Yeah, we failed to ask them what trakai means, and so Ginny emailed us an explanation. It says, trakai is a slang word used in the villages of Haiti. It means to balance something out. That's our goal in Haiti. We aren't going to Americanize those we are serving. We provide balance by walking through life with the Haitian people and helping to empower them with opportunities like microloans, free health clinics, weddings, and whatever opportunities the Lord provides for us to love and serve. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to check us out on social media and give us a like and a share. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at New Revival Podcast. Thanks again.